Blog Talk Radio. Our 
relationship in itself. And I said, hey, it's supposed to be 50-50. And he said, no, it's supposed to be 90-10. So what you're talking about is the formula that I came up with was if you give 90% of yourself to your relationship and you retain 10% for yourself just in case something happens, and she gives your mate, whoever they are, gives 90% to the relationship and keeps 10 for themselves, Mm -hmm. on any given day, you each will receive 100%. 100%. Now, on a bad day, you're going to get at least 80%, at least 80%. And so we have to understand that this this formula is uh, a great formula. And I'm just wondering if... uh, my 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 friend uh, and protege, Jay, uh, Willis Mosley, did get in. Um, I think he would have to press one. If you want to go ahead and I'll get him on. All right. So uh, anyway, that was the 90-10. So here's what I found out in the study. The study showed that 60% of black women married a husband with less education than they had, with, than they had which resulted in about a $25,000 reduction in income. And so uh, the fact that that is true, then we find that uh, 41% of white women married husbands with similar education and earnings. Now, that was, that, that, that's a huge contrast. So this study is according to Dr. Pamela Thompson, who practices in Atlanta as a psychologist and counsels couples in marriage therapy. And she says, marriage is virtually extinct in the black community. There is a 70% chance a child born to a black family will be unmarried. That, that family will be unmarried. Hello? There are several factors. Yeah, is that you, Will? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to break in on you. I braved that's, that's right. storm and hail and wind and rain to make it to to your show. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Willard Mosley. All right. Willard is in uh, Houston. We're we're actually in Austin, uh, and he he said he wouldn't be able to make it, but uh, praise God, Willard is here, and we will continue with the discussion. Okay, so go ahead. Tell, tell us these statistics so, you have on marriage. There are several factors in, in, uh, in consideration here. The woman earns more than the male. This makes the head of the house the woman. Most black men and women, most black men and women are proud and strong. However, when there is a potential for the male to cause hardship on the family, it puts stress on the marriage. Now, what, is, what do you mean by the male? Well, we're talking about income, inequality here, where the uh, woman of the house is making more money than the, than the male, and then that puts her in the position of being the leader in that house. If the relationship is not understanding the dynamics of what a marriage should be about. That's what I mean by male. Okay. And so let me ask you this. What, what, if, what if it were the other way around? What if it was a female? Let's say I lost my job. That's a, that's a regular thing. That's normal. You know, because you got these men out here that, that tell their women, well, you, you know, you, 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 can't, you can't eat if you don't make any money. Uh, no. <laughs> Well, what do you think about that, man? Well, coming from a person that's, uh, let me have to spout my credentials, been married uh, 41 years to the same woman, so. uh, 41 years? 41, well, 41 or 42, you know, I forget now. I can say that because I know she's not listening. (laughs) That is uh, amazing, 41 years. Yeah, I got married. You you guys deserve an applause. I got married when I was 12. uh, Uh (laughs) You got married when I was 12. I I I've been through, as you can imagine, and during those years, almost uh, uh, almost any situation you can you can go through really in a marriage, practically. Uh, and uh, kind of remind me what the old man said when they asked him. He had been married for a long time to, to this uh, woman, and he asked him, uh, "Did you ever consider divorce?" And he said, "Murder, yeah. Divorce, no." You know, so <laughs> that was kind of. Kind of the uh, uh, you know the, the attitude that uh, I guess we I don't want to say that too loud, <laughs> right? That, that you know that was that was actually really a joke. So don't, don't think that was serious. Yeah, about that. And, and, and that was that's pretty good for you. I, I think Ken is on the phone. Hey, Ken, are you there? 
No, I'm just listening. <laughs> Murder, huh? Yeah, so anyway, I just I guess what I'm saying is that yeah, it's 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 been one of the things that I feel uh has happened when with one of the negative byproducts of the emasculation of black man in our society is the fact that uh it has put him in a in, in a disadvantaged situation economically and financially, which then causes that whole leadership issue to come up, you know. Uh that's been a thing. I mean, you know, if you once again, I always say, if you if you have a, a herd of elephants, elephants, you know, they're gonna the males will form a circle around the children and the and the, uh, the females and the, and the little ones. And if you can get through the males, then you can get to the rest of the family. So uh, the concerted effort, I think, or the concerted situation where black men have been underemployed and underutilized for so long, it has caused that that what that's one of the dysfunctions. That can come about as a result of uh, of that situation is just what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. What he's what he what, and I understand what you're saying. Well, uh, and to your point, uh, it for me that is a uh, it's it's a contemplated thing. In other words, it's intentional. Uh, it is it is to denigrate the family, starting with the head. And if you do not hire the black male, if you uh, continue to paint the portrait of the black male being this this boogeyman. Don't hire him. Don't no education. You know, always going to be beating this woman. If you continue to do that, our women could buy into that as well. Okay. Not to mention there are men that do that, okay. and so there's a problem. I'd like to speak on that. Okay, come on, uh, okay. Miss Brandon. I, I want to hear you. Yeah. I'd like to speak on that. Now, I'm going to take y'all back to something, and, and I want you to kind of hear me because I'm going to do it consecutively. But um, first and foremost, I think that when a man and a woman are together and, and they're deciding to go into a relationship or into a marriage, a lot of times it's not perfect. I understand. But, you know, like Daryl and I did, we talked about finances. Heck, we didn't even have any. We didn't have no finances. You know. But um, we talk we talk about things, our goals, our dreams, and what we're going to do, and what happens if. And this is what I tell my godchildren and and and, and my my step granddaughter. I tell them the man must pass the means test. Okay, the means test is if I were to be stricken ill to the point where I was incapacitated, would you be there? And to me. That in itself, the answer in itself, if he goes, if he goes running the other way because you that deep, then you know he's not the person for you. But you got to watch that answer because sometimes a man will say, you know what, yeah. But but that would be a quick yes. But he, you know, you may never up. find out. He's got to he's got to he's got to contemplate. Yeah, but you got to at least try to get an answer. You got to let somebody know where you are in the beginning. So that's the first thing. Can I respond to that? Though? No, I but, think but, that, no, but you got to let me finish this point. Okay, but let me respond to that first point. But that answer is going to be unless you are stricken. That may be way down the road. And then there's a gamble there because who knows what he might do. He could say it. I understand but, Yeah. What but, you really know, to, get, to give you a general idea, I mean, morally, uh, to me, a relationship should be based on morals. It shouldn't be based on someone that will tell you one thing and do another. I mean, we, I don't have sure. that type of relationship with you. Sure. Okay, so the second thing is um, when it comes down to hiring black men and and all of that, you know, making sure that we're, you know, that, that we're out there in the industry. Well, that's why we have the superior power in Black America. That's why we came up with it because of the disenfranchisement. And I can honestly say that as long as we are able to hold our own and stand on our own two feet, then we won't have to worry about that. Now, the third thing that I want to touch on is in the 1970s there was a song called "Go Away, Little Boy." I love to reference that song because he said something about Afro clean, Afro clean, Afro do it to you fluid because he had all these doggone dreams and these little businesses ideas. that he wanted yeah. to, to do. He had all these ideas, and she was like, I'm just sick of this. Well, see, that's the mentality. Now, we're talking about mentality of, of men. That's the mentality that black women have adopted. They have adopted the, well, you know what, I don't need a man. I can do this by myself. You know, uh, you know, but that's not true. You can't do nothing by yourself. You can't do anything by yourself. Everybody needs somebody. That's the truth. You know, nobody okay. is a one-man show. Nobody is an island. You need someone. Everybody needs love. Everybody needs validation. 
And I think that we're fooling ourselves when we when we talk like that because that's another reason why the black men do what they do and go in other directions. And, and we complain about it because of our attitude. Well, that's just my thought on it. Okay. Well, I would what I would say what I would say about that is first of all, once again, I always try to think about that spiritual perspective and the way that that God structured things. Uh, and to me, He structured once again that the basic family unit he put together and he put together for a reason and you can see the reasons as you once again start to go through things but the first first thing i think you have to be equally yoked to that sense in other words having the same values when, uh, and hopefully if you're a spiritual person then you all can always go to the word and go to the, that as a principal source to to handle disagreements or whatever it might be as a basic source of same values when you don't have the same values that makes it a little difficult. The second thing is that a lot of times those values and those expectations don't get – it's amazing how long we can be in a relationship with somebody before we actually sit down and talk about our expectations because usually that's when the, it either goes you know north or south in the relationship because that's when the person says, okay, look, if you're going to be my, my woman, here's what I expect you to do. And the person says, if you're going to be my woman, says, if you're going to be my man, here's what I expect you to do. And then that's when people can say, uh, nah, I don't know. Well, know? Right. Yeah, so, that's right right there, though the monkey wrench in the whole program. When I, when, that's what I was when saying. I said that that's what I was talking about the mean test. It's okay. almost like a will you be there type situation. Let's go on to this next part here. Right. And this part I want to really talk about, Will. I believe there's something to the studies that we just read about how economic plays, economics play a major role excuse me, a major role in how our women select us as black men. Okay, so I think there's something to study. However, unless you've been married to a black woman, you can't summarize black marriage to just to economics. You have to see you have to be able to see the sadness in her eyes when she sees that her black male has been disenfranchised and incarcerated for no reason at greater rates than any other. Okay, when she sees that he's not bringing in that money because they're just not going to hire him for that position. And so, yeah, you know, it could be about economics, but marriage, the topic of marriage should be about relationship, strong and deep. Strength and unity. That's what we should be talking about. And uh, and that's where that's where we are, you know, with our with, with our marriage so far. 17 years in, in the marriage. Yeah. <laughs> now, 17 years. This is my second marriage, so my first one was 22 years. Yeah. No, no, it was first. 20. It was 22 years. This is her first. But I came into the marriage knowing some things. I know that I can create havoc, and I am a mess. I already knew that. And so there are some things I didn't want to, you know, sell her on. And so I put my best foot forward. I knew that you trying to keep create having to make mess. I knew that now, already when I saw you. Yeah. She also <laughs> has a problem, you know, in that area. I want to talk about. It. Go ahead. And and and, uh, and and Will, let me ask you. In your experience of being married for forty-one years, tell me what's the secret. Well, there's there's no secret because believe me, if I had to, if I had to, the, the real secret, everything would be hunky dory. I'd be happy right now, totally, totally. I'm talking about, I'm, I mean, happy like, like blissfully, uh, you know, found the soulmate of my life forever and ever. And the reality is that that you know, she's my wife, she's my woman, and I love her. So, but uh, you know, like you said, we have our ups and downs. I think. The secret is, and and this even goes back to once again in the initial thing. Y'all have to look at how things begin. You gotta look and say, okay, everybody. Else, when you ask somebody, hey, you getting ready to get married, or you guys are gonna get a, what's what's he like, or what's she like? And the man, the woman, the guy will say, oh man, she's fine, and she's this and that. And I, I realize that. And this is once again going back to what my mother told me, which is another point I want to make real quick too. Is that, and I'll get to that in just a minute. That it's. it's it's not about the good things. Nobody ever uh, divorced or got rid of Halle Berry because she was too fine. You know what I mean? The, the whole thing was you have to find out what it is you're going to have to tolerate, and you're going to have to tolerate something from everyone, okay? Yeah, so no matter what they are. So the question is, with that particular person's set of of, of negatives within your view, 
Are you going to be able to tolerate those things? You have to ask yourself that. And if you haven't asked yourself that, which, like I said, my mother told me that. <laughs> and of course, she told me I was married, so I was like, okay, a little late, ma. But anyway, uh, what it is, though, you have to look at those things because that's the reality. And you have to be able to tolerate and, and work work with and communicate because just because they love you, doesn't mean they're going to change, <laughs> and, you know, and so you have to be ready to tolerate something. So, and that's what the preacher says, for better, for worse, and for richer, for poor. And, of course, everybody hears better and they hear richer. But a lot of times they really don't understand what says worse. Worse, yeah. Like, once again, I'll go back to my, once again, a friend that you all know, and Nikki knows, back in Chicago, a very good friend of mine. Uh, they got married at a very young age, and uh, about after they'd been married about 10 or 15 years, he started developing back problems. Found out that back problem graduated to MS. He has been an invalid for the last 20-plus years. Now, did she sign on for that? They're still married. But did she sign on for that? Did she even know that was going to happen? So you have to be ready to be able to handle not only the better but the worse, not only the richer but the poor. You have to really understand, really uh, internalize and understand what you're getting yourself into. So I'd like to put a caveat to that, Will. Yeah. Um, there is there is there is also the element of uh, when you marry someone, you not just you don't just marry them, you actually marry their family, and it is it is what you are willing to do out of love for the one, for the others. And what would you do a, for the others and there, there out of love good, for the one? And there's a good and a bad. I mean, that's, that's exactly right because, you know, my, my husband is helping me to take care of my mother, and my 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 uncle is taking helping his wife to take care of his mother-in-law. We find that in the and, black community all and the time. We, we find that. I'm an aunt and I'm taking care of my niece. So yes, we we've met and, and he is and he has raised my niece like a father. And that's and, that's, and that's that is the superior that's power in black superior America. Power in black America. You know, yeah. that's what it's all about. It's about uniting, putting resources together for the benefit of the whole. You know, that's what the premise is. But it's not even, you know, at some point, in some cases, it's not even resources. But what it is is support, good support. Yeah. And and, and that's something that's very, very important. And then on the other side of that, when you bring family together uh, and you marry into the family, you can have a great relationship. As a matter of fact, in case you all haven't figured it out yet, uh, Willard is my uncle. <laughs> Daryl is my And they're like brothers. You know, and you know, then there's yeah. another there's another side to that where there are, there are people that marry into families and their families don't too much care for the other person. So it's a lot to deal with, and when you get into that situation where there are families that don't give a care about the other person, that that's hurtful and that puts a strain on the marriage. So sure. you've got to be strong. You've got to be strong. And that's what Will is saying that you have to be ready yeah. and you have to take on whatever it is. Yeah, you have so, to be able to tolerate. But uh, there was another point I wanted to make real quick on that, too. Going okay. back, see, because I have a tendency to go back to the source, at least I t- to try to go back to the source. And we talked uh, earlier about black men. And, you know, we know that there are a lot of women out there. And, unfortunately, this is on the black women, which is, like I said, I I, I, I tell you what, I, black women, I love them. They are, they got their fingers in the dike. Is what I say. You know, if they weren't, if they didn't have their fingers in the dike, the whole, the whole dam would come crashing down. But they have their fingers in the dike, and one of the ways in which they do is because they often find themselves having to raise a young black man by themselves. And so, what mm-hmm. is going to happen? What you have to understand, and what you have to understand is that 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 little boy is going to be a man sooner or later down the line. And he's going to have to be, and in order to break that cycle of him having uh, having some of those problems, some of those issues, and not being able to keep a relationship going, you're going to have to look at how you have to train him and what he's going to need. He's going to need education. He's going to need support. He's going to need discipline because he, in order to grow up in that way and overcome and have the basic, and we, which is the second thing we get to, have that installation of the attitude that it takes to overcome your your adverse circumstances that has to be brought in and initially by unfortunately sometimes that black woman by herself. So as, as my pastor says, you need have to raise somebody up so that the, somebody else can love them besides you. 
you know. Oh, well, that's, that's, a, that's a really good point. Your pastor, I like that. I think I'm going to write that one down. Ask your pastor if he don't mind if I quote that. I think he's going to mind it all. Okay. So now we're going to go on to our second topic, guys. And by the way, that was a good talk there. Uh, second topic, America's black culture is not on track. Is on. on track. Woo! To an image alteration and economic recovery. Yes, we're on now, track. Now, you got to understand what that means. The black culture is on track. To an image alteration. That means we are changing our image as we speak. Now, we're, we're going to start with different facets of image, but the first thing that we're going to talk about is appearance. Well, we got a long way to go. Report after report indicates how the image of people of color is changing in America. In particular, I speak about black people. There are several, several reasons why. Black people more than any other culture are the ones who must change in a greater way. We must reteach our young men to dress in a certain way so as not to appear to be a threat in order to minimize the unlawful incidences of fearful rogue police officers or other racists shooting to kill black men out of fear. Okay. So I'd like to touch on that. Um. I, I I work in a, in a, an environment where I deal with young people of all races every day, and I have to tell you a couple of instances that that I've uh, come to, and I'd like y'all to elaborate on them. But the first in, instance is even today, where I've had to I've had a young black man come in front of me and you know ask me for what he needs to ask me for at my job, and I have to say to him, speak up. I can't understand what you're saying. Speak up. And they look at me and then they say, yes, ma'am, and they speak up. Um, I've had it where I've seen some walk into into my office with their underwear showing, and I've had to say to them, I'm not interested in the color of your underwear. Would you please pull your pants up? Um, I'm not interested in, in, in the way that you look with your shirt all open. You are in a government office. Button of the shirt. Straighten up. Okay, so that that's 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 another situation. I've had it where I've had a black man come in with one Caucasian and one Hispanic girl, high as the dickens, high. I don't know what they have, but you can smell it. You can look at them, and they weren't speaking right. And I told them before they got up to anybody else, you're gonna leave here, turn around, go back home, get yourself together. Wash up, brush your teeth, and sober up before you come into this office because you're embarrassing me. Good point. And so these things, these, these, it's not just what you pass down, but it's the way you speak. It's the way you present yourself. It's the way that you even embrace people around you, the way that you communicate with people around you. It is, it's all about what people see inside and outside when they're looking at our black men and women. Now, Will, I want you to get in on this, but, but think about this. We, we also have to re-educate ourselves and stress to our children important information about our legal rights. Now, get this, as Americans. Notice I didn't put anything in front of that. As Americans, under the constitutional law. So what do you think about that, bro? No, you're you're definitely right. Uh, you're definitely right. We we have to know that. But see, once again, like you said, we have to reteach ourselves and our children. I think sometimes we 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 don't uh, we live too much in the now. We have to have vision. See, once again, even what you're what you're saying right now. In fact, this whole program, uh, speed of the whole program, is about vision. You know, it's not about what's happening now. It's about that the vision of trying to 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 correct. Uh, Work starts to work now to hopefully that's correct and make the future better, and see that's so so that's that's what it's about. It's about teaching ourselves, doing the what things, some of the things we need to do now to lay the foundations of 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 of, of, uh, of the sources of improvement. So you have it here, and in fact, uh, in fact, even when you go to to, to I know you're going to get to the added about uh, people in our public opinion and our self-image and what we feel about ourselves as black people. And and what, I wanted to throw something in there real quick about that because I think this is really important, and I kind of looked at this, if, if, if you give me just a minute, okay? 
Okay, go ahead. If you, okay. might, you, if you want to read that paragraph, you can, you know. Yeah, I'm going to read something real quick. It's, okay. Uh, no, no, this is it. It says, uh, to me, it says that the, quote, the, the article was, why attitude is more important than IQ. Okay. And, okay. and it says there's a, there was a research from Stanford University, a psychologist named Carol Dweck, and she spent her entire career studying attitude and performance. And she said her latest study showed that your attitude is a better predictor of your success than your IQ. And she found that people's core attitudes fall into one or two categories, a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. With a fixed mindset, you believe you are who you are and cannot change. This creates problems when you're challenged because anything that appears to be more than you can handle is bound to make you feel hopeless and overwhelmed. People with a growth mindset believe that they can improve with effort. They outperform those with a fixed mindset even when they have a lower IQ because they embrace challenges, treating them as opportunities to learn something new. Now, That's attitude. And it said common sense would suggest that having ability like being smart inspires confidence. But it does, but only while the going is easy. The deciding factor in life is how you handle setbacks and challenges. People with a growth mindset welcome setbacks with open arms. And she said, according to Dweck, success in life is all about how you deal with failure. She described the approach to failure of people with a growth mindset this way. Failure is information. We label it failure, but it's more like this didn't work, and I'm a problem solver, so I'll try something else. And, that, and guess what? That's what success truly is. It is not the first time out that you win. It is the first time out you might come up short, but you know you can get to a certain distance. And then you go again, and then you go again, and then you go again. That is, in fact, that is the learning process in our school system. They give you a little bit, let you take the test, and then pass you to the next level and, and, and all of that. So you, you're absolutely right. It's about how you handle the challenges that you meet. You know, another thing that we must do um, when we're talking about school-age children, mm-hmm. you know, in the military, I constantly heard pay attention to detail. Oh, man. And, you know, we have to pay attention to the, to the details when it comes to our babies, especially in these schools, because in case anybody hasn't realized it, there is great funding for special needs education. Now this is the and, and 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 I'm gonna tell you because I I and have on I, I have a nephew myself who uh, who is who has been penned a special needs because of a speech impediment, um, and that's something that could get better. However, but that is a special that, need. That's a special need, and yeah. it's good that those programs do exist. But understand, because of behavior issues, because of neglected home, because of abuse at home, because somebody's not paying attention. Your child can come to school, they can be disruptive, or they can just have an attention deficit, which does not make them an ADD child, but attention deficit because they're going through something and their mind is elsewhere and be pinned as a special ed student. Now, you were telling me something else about that also. Mm -hmm. Uh, You were telling me that uh, throughout history, it 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 is systematic that they have grouped young black black men with most of of the disabilities. Disabled. So it's not just, wait wait, wait a minute, so it's not just the the idea that there is this special needs child, but they have grouped most black children from the start as special in that, in with that. They're going to need special treatment. They're going to need, uh, they're not going to be able to, uh, keep up with the course and, exactly. and all of that. Exactly. They, they, they have come in the door with the expectation of a learning deficit. Now, that's not always true, it is not but that is the true, way but that, is, that is mostly, the system is for the most part, it's true. And that's one thing that uh, the IDEA program from 2004 is, is uh, Barack Obama has gone ahead and reauthorized it. Um, it has changed because they don't want, they want a further, they want a Thorough evaluation of children before you recommend it into special ed. But you remember in the 70s there was a time and Gerardo Rivera went to New York, went to a school, exposed it. The first thing that they do is look at our babies, look at our boys especially. I mean, I've gone to schools now where I substitute on the side and I've seen little boys. Matter of fact, one one thing, little boy that lived across the street from me, I didn't realize he lived across the street from me, um, he was in a pre-K with my with my niece, 
And I would see him in the morning sitting outside the classroom, and he'd just be sitting there with his mom. Good boy, all the time with his mom there. His mom would leave, the teacher would come out the door, an older white woman, and she would push him all the way to the side and say, you're going to mind me. And then the other teachers that walked past him would, would, would treat him as if he was a problem child. They held him back, and they did everything else that they could. Now, this little boy I know personally, my husband knows him, uh, Eddie, mm-hmm. this little boy, he uh, is, is not a special needs child. No. But he has been referred to special ed. But now he is, he could probably be disruptive, but he's got an other issue. He's got his other father yeah. is incarcerated, has been incarcerated and not in his life. And so opposed to uh, addressing the issue, they put a tag on it and just almost omit the issue, which means that they're not going to be, uh, they're not going to be, uh, uh, as a doctor would treat, they're not going to be treating what the underlying issue is in this young man. They are just going to be treating him for something that they see, but that means they're not qualified to understand what's going on, and they're not doing their job. But then there are qualified individuals that evaluate him, and they would evaluate him, and the parent is probably not going to say his dad is incarcerated. Because, again, as black folks, we say that's not your business. Bottom line no, I was is, talking about his issue, though. Right, but right, but what I'm saying as far as the school is concerned, so what I'm saying is it is representation, and what that's called in schools is over-representation. So what we have to look at is the fact that our babies start out, men and women, but the majority men, young boys, start out with that flag. Okay, now I don't want to get too far off the right. topic. You don't want to get off that topic. Uh, the topic is we are on track for an image alteration. And there are reasons why we need to do that. Uh, we have to do it actually out of necessity for our own benefit. Uh, Will, did you want to have, did you have something else to add to that? Oh, no, I would just, no, I would just like you said, you all, when you all came back and, and started talking about the, uh, the economic situation, uh, it's, it, it, it's, the thing is, these are all uh, factors and, and symptoms of, of of being like I said that manifestation of being oppressed, and I always give the I always give you give in fact you all know me I always say that if you go into a room and kick a dog uh, every time you walk in after a while you don't have to kick the dog anymore when you walk in to get the same reaction, and what has happened is as oppressed people things that have happened to us have happened to us so long and so often that now without without the stimuli, that that stimuli, we still now continue to do those things to ourselves. And so the things you're talking about are things that are symptoms of that whole mindset and that whole oppressive mindset that continues beyond, you know, when it was very obvious and open. It's still that mindset that happens with black men that are raised and and end up being incarcerated, the economic system that, that pushes them down, all those other factors that causes this this breakdown of the family unit within the black community. So, you know, you all are right on on right on on on. You know, there's so many different points you can easily go into to talk yeah. about it, to talk about why our economic situation is where it is as a people. Well, now that 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 actually leads us into our next our, our next topic, uh, because the, the second part of that whole topic is we're also on track for an economic recovery. Now, here's, here's the reason why. Several reports recently published indicating how important it is for black people to recognize what our economic status truly suggests. The recovery is already in drive and, full, and going full speed ahead. Since 1990, there have been a flurry of reports written and documented about black spending trends, okay, only to reveal a very strong economic recovery outlook for black America. So I say to you, we are in the midst of an economic recovery. Monique, do you want to read this uh, second report here and, and to uh, validate that statement? According to the Nielsen Company, the study entitled African-American Consumers are Vital to the Economy and Still Growing. The report also goes on to show an increase in blacks attending some sort of college, and 45% for men and 54% for women. 
The study and report also indicates the average income for individuals with a college degree nationwide to be $47,290. The household earnings for blacks grew by more than 50% faster than the rest of the population. That's 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 economic recovery right there, and that that is a that is a uh, a report by a credible source. There's one more, Will, and then I want you to get into this. Uh, the Huffington Post. They also wrote too often. Now, now check this out. Too often, companies don't realize the inherent differences of our communities and are not aware of the market size impact. Therefore, they're not stocking their shelves. They're not they're not uh, soliciting directly for our for our service. Okay, so the report states other notable findings with a buying power in the one trillion dollar annual point, blacks in America would be the sixteenth largest country in the world. Think about that. With our spending power, if we were if we were to be if we were to be looked at, we would be looked at as the sixteenth largest country in the world. That is economic power. As a country of our own. Yeah. Just African Americans in this I'll country. Them by themselves. Yes. We were, so we because would, of our spending power. Okay. So we would be considered the sixteenth largest, largest country in the world. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> but you know what? Okay. So now, what, Will, how yes, do we sir. get that point, man? How do we get that point across? How do we drive that home, you know, and get people to understand that? There is power in where we stand it. But everybody else is getting rich. Everybody else is getting better neighborhoods, better homes. Yeah. How do we get how do we drive that point home to the masses, man? Well, you have to once again as as they always say and say you how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time. So you have yeah. to start you have to start and say, Okay, what can we do at this level? So we started Things like uh, SPIBA, and we start with 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 uh, uh, not only just talking about it, like I said, but first we have to talk about it, anyway, because people don't think about things until you start to talk about it and bring it to their mind. So, uh, okay. So the first thing is is talking about it and getting that concept and that understanding out there, because people are thinking about, of course, what they think about. You know, we we are we are in fact. Uh, I've learned one of the things I've learned religiously is from my spiritual walk is a basis of sin is selfish. We're basic selfish people, so you have to kind of unlock that uh, that 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 thought process, and it's understandable to some degree because it's about survival and it's about once again self improvement. But you know you have to to uh, get yourself into that that mind thought that that uh, black people have on you know from their everyday thoughts and, and routines to say, okay, hey guys, whoa. Okay, stop for a minute. Think about this. This is something we need to think about about our 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 our, our uh, joint economic uh, buying power. The things we can do if we start to uh, you know work together from a from a unity and economic standpoint. Because once again, this society preaches to us uh, it's all about you. If it's if it's to be, it's up to me. You know, sort of thing. So you have to try to break into that by starting that dialogue and bringing that to people's minds so they can think about it. So you have to start to reach out to people. I think that people are opening their minds now to different things. I mean, for instance, with Zeta Pinkett Smith, for instance, with Zeta Pinkett Smith and what she was talking about with regard to the Oscars, she wasn't just stuck on the Oscars. And people don't understand the second part of that message. And the second part of that message was we are dignified people with power. Well, that is that. We we, that. Right, we are dignified people with power. We need to pull our resources together. That's, that's exactly what we're saying. That's right. We need to pull our resources together, and we can build our own. We don't need it. I mean, she, this is coming from a woman and a man that have their own black production company in Hollywood. With the image that we need to portray, the the thought that we need to drive home is we would be the sixteenth largest country. In the world, based on our spending power, you know, so that is that is fine. But now here's something else. I want to read that. Okay, here's something else. It's very interesting. Can I read it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so Target Market uh, Target Market News releases 15th annual buying power of Black America report. And they say this is Target, right? Mm-hmm. 
They're saying that black consumers are responding to tighter economic conditions by focusing more of their spending on products and services that improve their homes and lifestyles. Blacks are changing the way that they spend. Now that is a powerful uh, that is a powerful report because it shows that the recovery again is in drive and going full speed ahead. Now it, it definitely is. It's, it's in drive and going full speed ahead. That's for sure. Um, I think that uh, when it comes down to our black spending, we we definitely need to focus. But I also want to go back to what we were talking about image. Um, that being another another subject again. Uh, when we were talking about image, I, I often hear people talk about other brothers and sisters in the African American community, and they they often talk about their selling out, their their sellout, something to that effect. And um, you know, I, I don't I don't think that's right. I think that when you see a, a, a black person or African American person that has become successful and doing whatever it takes to do so, I think that they should be committed, you know, because uh, a lot of people get stuck in that mentality, and, and to me that's like crabs in a barrel. You know, uh, you want to pull somebody down because you're not up there. I, I do have a problem with that, and, and I think that image, you know how you look when you do that? Well, not only do, that. Do you know, but do you know how you look when you're trying to yeah, you talk look, about you somebody look, that, you look, you. You, look, you look way less than, but, but more than that. More than that, uh, when when that occurs, it's more of a distraction. It's more of a hateful, inward hateful thing. When the the most powerful thing is to rejoice for that person because your blessing is coming right after you rejoice for someone else. Okay, so let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Okay, the the question I want to pose to you is why indeed are there so many African American women walking around our streets, educated African American women? Walking our streets, going into our businesses, managing people with attitude. What what's with that? What's with the 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 mean mugs, the underfaces? The why, why do you have to portray yourself as as um thick in the mud, bitty? Well, I got to tell you, man, why it's not just African women, African American women. I know some some white women that are in the. But we're talking about African American women. I understand, but I'm saying. A lot of women, most uh, many women that I know, and they're not just subjected to being African American, but have that attitude of I gotta show a a a, a tough exterior so that they know I mean business. You know, so yeah. I, I don't know if I, that's. A, I think that that's. I think that that's, that's not good. That's not cool. Uh, because what I've noticed is um, in in different areas of my profession where an African-American woman would go as far as stabbing other black American women in the back. Metaphorically. Not, metaphorically, not uh, not uh, promoting them, not elevating them. Mm-hmm. And then, because they think it's the right thing to do, mm-hmm. it's the right look to portray. They don't want to look like they're giving the hookup. Well, and, then been... the next, and, and then the next thing you know, they're being fired because, they did not elevate the educated black woman. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I want to know what's in the mind. I'm wondering what is in the mind. And you're a human resource. Yeah, field. a little bit so of what, human what, what, What's in the mind of women that, that, that portray that? How do you handle when you when you would get complaints about African-American women that mistreat their they're African American. Overly zealous. Oh yeah, overly zealous. Or even even managers in particular. How do you how do you treat how do you feel when you see uh, people of color being mistreated in the work environment? Being by uh, people of color. Right, or or by anyone else. But tell me how you feel about that being in human resources for so many years. Well, see, it's, it's a two different things. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Okay, it's, it, there are two different things in play because there's a, as as a HR professional, I have to talk to them about the job and the job duties and responsibilities, and and one of the responsibilities is being professional enough to get along with their coworkers in order to get the work done and the mission accomplished, you know, uh, uh, whatever that may be. So that's one thing on that side. So you have to say, okay, you have to put your you have to put your differences aside because, but the thing I think going from the other side. To say, and of course, I can't really speak to what goes through and why uh, 
uh, anyone, especially even a black woman, because I'm not one, <laughs> what goes through their mind and, and gets them to where they are. But because I think once again there's a wide variety. But it's once again spiritual. I have to go spiritual. I have to say, you know, if 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 you if you are trying to truly embrace your principle as, in, in my case, as a Christian, then you have the word that you go to and that you get fed on so that you understand what's right and wrong and what's going to help make your life more peaceful. Now, once again, we get to talk about happy because I think people sometimes they get hung up, and that's one reason why they get a little upset is because they expect to be happy, you know, and they aren't happy, so now they're upset about the fact that they're not happy. But the whole idea is that life is not a peaceful thing. Life, I mean, life is not a happy thing. It's a peaceful thing. So what you're looking for is some peace. And once again, spirituality, that's where the peace comes in that enables you to deal with some of the things even when you're not happy. So it's about having that spiritual base that helps you uh, find that peace that keeps you from, from having the attribute. Because we're all going to have issues. We all have crosses we have to bear. Once again, like I talked about, once again, in my piece before I read, the cross you have to bear and the attitude you bear it with is what brings out and manifests itself in the way you treat other people. So, yeah, you, have, so you have to understand that, that you know, all have a person. What happens when, let's say I'm, I'm, I have a manager and I'm one of the employees for your company and you're a human resource director and I come to you and I say, look, you know, this is a racial issue. I know it is. Um, I'm well qualified for this position. I have two I have two degrees. I have an associate's and a bachelor's degree. I've been in the profession for over 17 years. Um, I'm, I'm very good at what I do. I don't have any complaints. I have excellent reviews. I, I need to know what was going on. Why am I being overlooked for uh, promotions? Why am I being overlooked for uh, uh, any, anything else when all you receive from me is, is accolades? You, you receive good reports. You can even go online and see you. Okay. Tell me but, what it is. Right. Okay, but what, what, what's going on? Is there a way that you can help me with this? I think that's the attitude, though. What exactly. Would you do? What's it goes back to exactly, Daryl. Thank you. You were going right back to what I was saying. And I'm just saying, and I'm not talking about you per se, but I'm saying, then that person, I have to look and say, that that is a, a piece that that it's hard to tell people about, but you know you have to try to communicate that. Some people don't feel let comfortable me, with me, that, and also I have to tell them that that there's sometimes uh, uh, you have a, you have you have poor managers, and those managers make poor decisions. But once again, if you're talking from from a, from an HR perspective, you know I have to, my primary responsibility is to limit the legal liability of the company, so I have mm-hmm. to try to educate that manager, and also try to help that employee deal with the issue as it is because it, sometimes you just got a butt for a manager. They're not, they're not discriminatory because they treat everybody bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, so you right. have to, but that's okay. not discriminatory. So, so, so yeah, right. you could think uh, because you treat me bad because I'm black, but if the, everybody else of every color is getting treated bad too, sometimes the person is just a bad manager. Just but, you know, I was right. reading a blog by a black woman uh, that, I, that I follow, and um, she she specifically stated that she was told by uh, her manager that nobody cared for her because she <laughs> was an overachiever and that she made everybody else look bad. And she was told by her supervisor, just don't do anything over the top. Just, just do what everybody else does and don't do anything at all. And she actually left that company and, and moved on. But at the time, it just blew a sail. It just made her feel like, oh my God, what is this? And and see, what men have to realize is, you guys go through some things when you're disenfranchised. But as black women, we go through some things. We go through some crazy things. Oh, you're right about that. Well, see, and, and, and what I have to say once again, going back from that perspective, you went to what I was just going to say is that if you got a problem with your situation, remember once again, now there's a big difference. This is not a marriage. <laughs> this is a job. So what happens if, if things aren't working out the way that you want them to work out, and then you see that people are saying things that are not the value that you espouse, you need to really start to think about moving on and finding another opportunity because yeah. the main thing, you, 
Yeah, because what I've, what I've found in jobs a lot of times is when, and you can see this when you see somebody, when you're wanted by that company or by that organization, your shortcomings are workarounds, things they can work around. When you're not wanted by that company, those become obstacles or reasons why you're either limited, demoted, or sometimes terminated. You see? Intolerance. So, yeah, so, so what happens is if you're not wanted, if you're getting signals that you're not wanted by that company, then you need to start to look at other options and possibilities if you can't rectify it. With yeah. with normal yeah. with, you know, through the through the channels that, that the company provides. What? She moved on and she became actually one of one of the most the highest paid attorneys in Chicago right now. Well, like I said, that was once again yeah. she did what she had. She did once. That's what I said. That's what you have to do. And I was getting ready to go there, and you went there, and it was like, okay, great. That's what you have to do. So when you ask me about, the, you put the scenario forth. You know, there's there's a couple of alternatives. You know, but the main thing is, once again, like I said, this is not a marriage, and it, you know, it, it's a relationship, but it's not one well, like I got it. Had a level. Uh, I got it. We got to bring it to a close. We're five minutes out, and I just want to recap, and I want to, uh, you know, let everybody know that uh, the superior power in Black America is is really a book. Uh, it, it talks about combining our resources, renewing our minds and understanding what our productivity and spending is. You know, if you make a certain amount, you should live within that means. Now, if you make a tremendous amount, you should benefit, and your children and their, and their children should benefit. So The Superior Power in Black America is a book. You can buy it online at lulu.com. That's L-U-L-U.com. It is also spun off into a movement. That movement is called... FIBA, it is the acronyms for Superior Power in Black America. And it is all about uniting resources, building on the foundation that we could uh, create the fastest-growing organization in the world and benefit from that. So don't forget, get your book. Uh, We'd like to also thank again uh, Queen Mother for Real, and we'd like to also thank our producer, Kenneth, uh, we got to yeah. give you guys kudos. We love you guys tremendously, and definitely want to thank my my mentor, my dad, my uncle, Willie Mosley, for joining us. And yes, make sure that you visit www.tfiba. T is in Tom Fiba. T S T I B A dot com. So if you were gonna if you were gonna visit the website, that's where you go to sign in. That's where you go to register. That's where you go to become one of 10 million members to build this organization. Everybody is a shareholder. Everybody gets a, a, a piece of the rock. That's what it's all about. And so it's, you could Google it. You could Google it at SPIBA Solutions, S-P-I-B-A-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S, and uh, just make sure that it falls under the website at uh, www.p. S-P-I-B-A.com. Don't forget you can pick the book up at lulu.com. Join us on Facebook for a little bit more conversation after the show. Just look up the Superior Power in Black America. And, and guys, we'll, we'll talk to you next week on Thursday. Will, you there? You want to say some goodbyes? No, I just want to say God is real. And uh, once again, thank you for having me on the call. I really appreciate that. And thank you for yeah, Mother Perel and everyone else involved in the production. We appreciate you uh, doing what you had to do to, to make it to the show, Will. It means a great deal to us uh, with, with, with stimulating conversation that we can bring to the air. And maybe we can open up, you know, bring about a, an awareness. Okay. That's about the most powerful thing that, the black, that black America uh, could, could, could do. Aware of what's going on around us. Topic for next week. Any suggestions? Will, any suggestions for the topic for next week? I, won't I don't know. We, uh, like you said, should we could chew on all of this. But I think, once again, if we try to get back to the to SPIBA, I want to get back to so people can understand what the organization's about and, and how we can actually start to reach out. How can, how can people reach and connect to each other and using SPIBA as a way to facilitate that? All right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's man, we need to talk about that. So that's why every week we want, we end up, talking about 
uh, Spiva, and, you know, the power that's in that. Well, I, I got to tell you, man, and if anybody is listening, Spiva is a game changer. You know, we've been wait, we've been looking for our pastors and our politicians and everybody to rebuild our community. You know, in Flint, Michigan, the governor uh, poisoned the dog on water. And so we can't look to other folks to rebuild black America. We have right. to do it. There it is. Yeah, they had to band together and march on the governor's office. Hello. Yeah. Wait a minute. Hang up the phone, man. Hang up. 